Hi guys, this is Rachel on Recovery. We've got a special guest coming back to tell the rest of her story, Hannah. Thanks for coming back, Hannah. We're going to just start off with the questions. Um, I'm going to talk about a little bit about your financial abuse that you experienced. Um, tell us a little bit about that. They So it kind of goes with like fundraising stuff. Um, everybody, specific amounts of money that people like raised. And so everybody raised money together. So like even if I had finished, reached my goal, then if Sally hadn't reached her goal yet and was needing help, I was raising over my goal to cover her cost, which kind of in theory is how like fundraising works, but we weren't fundraising as a group. And like there were group fundraising opportunities, but there, when we were specifically like going home for two weeks and talking to people and receiving donations to like go on this trip and into our like accounts to pay for it, um, we were expected to raise more if somebody in our group and receiving updates weren't, wasn't, weren't reaching their goal. Um, and any extra money that we raised um, wouldn't, like, be returned to people and say, oh, we raised, you know, we're over our goal. Um, or even, um, you know, returning money to people um, if we agreed, like, way over our goal. Um, I guess some people would have donated donated it back to the organization anyway and helped with other fees, but it necessarily wouldn't go to our um, outreach trip. It could go to anything on the base. Oh. So, like, and any fund if we raised extra money, um, which I was like, that's really weird, but okay. Or any um, any money left over from the trip, which there might be. You never know. Um, but wouldn't be credited towards us back. It would go um, back into the organization. And... Um, I'm not saying that everybody that donates, like, missionaries need, like, support and stuff, but they, the people on the base, like, the base doesn't pay them. So, like, the organization doesn't pay you to be there. Like, you have to raise your own support to be there. And so then the base pays you, kind of like, you're an independent contractor. Yeah. But you're kind of not really. And so, like, some places do it that way, some places don't, but I was just kind of weird. But then after I left, they sent me a bill. For um, a plane ticket, a non-refundable plane ticket that I never used. They charged me for um, letters, envelopes, stamps, um, papers like the letter, like printed that I never sent out. Like I had addressed all of my letters to who they were going to, including the return, the return label and stuff, all of the letters, but I hadn't put any postage on it. No, I hadn't gotten the letters yet. Um, because that was another thing. I didn't get my letters yet because they said that, um, there was a problem with the last group being printed, but I knew it was all on me and they were waiting for me to like submit to them and say, yes, I'll do this. These are my final numbers. And I never did. And so everybody else received their letters except for me. And I was like, this is not right. Um, and so they charged for all of that. And I was like, I never sent them out. And I, they're not even stamped. Like, they're not viable to use. And so they charged for that. And then they charged um, outreach fees occurred on my behalf. So, like, transportation and food and stuff like that. Like, obviously, you have to set things up. But, like, I spent six weeks there. And there's more than enough money left. Because they have a percentage breakdown of, like, if you leave, how much money you'll get back. And so by week six, you don't get anything. But if I left in week five, I would get 20% of that money back. And so, like, the breakdown was kind of weird. And 
I was like, I should have fought it, but I didn't. I paid it and was like, I'm done with you. Like, get out of here. Um, but they weren't specific about it in the beginning. They're like, these are outreach fees occurred on your behalf, but it wasn't itemized. It wasn't broken down. It was like, here's this lump sum total of money that you need to pay within a month. And my parents and I were like, this is weird. And so they called them, they called the base leader and was like, we need an itemized list of like what this is because we're not just going to pay a bill. You know, it wasn't even listed like, you know, like a medical bill that has things broken down of what cost what, like that's what they were expecting on this invoice. And even on an invoice, if you get work done, it show, it breaks it down. There was no breakdown until we specifically asked for it. And then they're like, pay it in a month. And they didn't threaten anything else. We're like, who took time to pay it? But they ex- then they're like, well, then they threw the contract back and said we were expected to pay this. But I was like, I never actually went. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing here. I never raised any money so far. And you still have all of my tuition, which is, which was like $3,200. Wow. So like, That's a lot of money. Yeah. That would have been a red, yeah, that so, would have been a red flag for me. I mean, I went, you know. I went and studied in Italy for that much. Yeah. And so I'm like, you still have all that money, you know, and like that includes like room and board and materials and stuff and food. But you're like, you still have all that money. And I'm sure you have plenty of money to cover this. But they have, they have, they have me pay for it. And I was like, fine, we're done with it. That's it. Bye. See you later. And I never heard from them again. So, yeah. Well, I don't know if I would have actually paid it. I would have been just walked away and I don't know. So I wanted to, but my mom's like, you have to pay this. You like did this. And we eventually got them down to where I can only pay for the non-refundable plane ticket. But I'm like, I didn't even like get a credit for it. No, from like the airline or anything. So it's like they bought a non-refundable plane ticket. I'm like, that's all them. Like you don't, buy non-refundable plane tickets unless you absolutely know you're going yeah so yeah well uh i know your mom's trying trying to do the right thing and you know and yeah. those situations are just tough to figure out what is the right thing to do uh, right and nobody really knew and we're like you know what was going to happen if we didn't and we're like we'll just pay it and be done with it and that chapter of my life was over okay um Tell us about um, the trouble you got in for questioning authority. Um, so they have like weird rules too. So like we had the base itself. Some of the classrooms were in a church. So like next door. And so we kind of had like a quote unquote dress code of like what was like presentable and everything had to edify or glorify God. So in our like clothing too. And like I wore sweatpants one day but they weren't ratty they weren't tatty like they weren't old like they were decent sweatpants and I wore a sweatshirt like there wasn't an old one it wasn't tattered it wasn't ratty and they're like well I'm not gonna ask you to change but I could if I wanted to but I'm not going to um but you're violating the dress code because I wore sweatpants and a sweatshirt to class like um okay I can't be comfortable one day and they're like well it doesn't, we want to keep up our appearance that we're godly people and we look like good to be here because we're renting this space from this church. Kind of what it comes down to. And I was like, um, okay, that's really weird, but, um, right. Why would you say something like that? 
they didn't really like punish punish me, but when I would ask questions, they would like spin it and turn it back around and making it my fault and they're the ones like they're protecting themselves and I just kind of stopped <laughs> um, and like let them do their antics and be like and just boom off. Can you give us an and example of that? Um, it was mostly so my like small group leader she would say like um, you know, in the Bible, it says to not be prideful. And I was like, yes, I do know that. Like, Jesus talks about that. And I don't think in the situation that I am, I'm just trying to understand where you're coming from. And I never got solid answers. Though They always just spun it back around to them and wrapped it around and used scripture and be like, this is where it says this. And I don't remember specific scriptures, but they're like, this is what you should have you should be doing and you should be taking it to God daily and you should be laying at the foot of the cross. And I was like, I do, but like, I wasn't showing visible, like, yeah, I'm a Jesus freak. Like I am, but not like kind of throw it in your face and like have all these scriptures memorized and be like, this is for this distance. I'm like, I don't do that. And they're trying to get me to submit and understand and be like, well, from you said and blah 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 and I'm like but I didn't you said that so so gaslighting you pretty much yeah and they um would um like they kept me from local outreach too which was weird because we're supposed to be like serving our community and then you're like instead we're gonna have a one-on-one and you and I will miss local ministry when we're doing what God what Jesus told us to do is like serve others and I'm like what's the point of this there's no point like we're it's a like it's a double standard you're like you're wanting us to be the hands and feet of Jesus and yet you're holding me from that because I was like refusing to change some numbers that you thought were prideful that I was being prideful about it so you're gonna hold me from this experience to serve others but yet here we are and we're like going to have a conversation that's going to get us absolutely nowhere. So ostracizing you because you weren't doing, you weren't a robot. Yeah. That's frustrating. Oh, it was. And I'm like, I'm, I'm 20 by this point. And so you're like, you know, I've been around the block enough to be like, uh, are you sure? (laughs) Like, why, what, what, what are you trying to achieve here? And I even like said that and they're like, well, we just wanted to make sure that you know that when we deem fit, you'll get your letters. I'm like, that's not the point. It was never, it was, that's not the point. That's not why we're here. No, it's not. No. Um, was there any specific poor doctrine that really. Well, they were. I'm not against scripture, like, memorization by any means, but, like, we had to memorize specific scriptures, um, and they, they liked Philippians a lot, um, which Philippians is a good book, but, um, they liked anything that Paul wrote, so, like, all of the scriptures that we, like, were to memorize were from Paul's writings, from his letters, um, and a lot to the, uh, Philippian church, um, and if we didn't, have it completely memorized, they would quote-unquote dock points from us. 
or like whenever that we if we didn't get so many scriptures memorized we wouldn't graduate the school and like even the whole time like we were doing supplemental stuff like we were to pick a gospel and read through it and answer questions then maybe it was all four i don't know which would be a lot of reading um but we have to like go through the gospels and like answer questions like on our own time too and we were to have that completed by the time that we were to like graduate so to speak and like if we didn't like they wouldn't let us graduate so I don't know if anybody ha- had not done it um but they did a lot of forced quiet times too so in the morning we would get up and then have an hour of quiet time and then um we could and then we'd like go to the school for the day or the class for the day um, and then not come back till dinner after dinner time because we were there like all day because the housing wasn't on campus other than the guy's house. Um, and we like we just spent all of our time there. Like there wasn't hardly any time to ourselves. And even if there was time for ourselves, like people didn't want to go out and explore the city. So you're like, you're in a new city and you don't want to go see things that you live in. Like you live there. And you don't want to do stuff? Like, that that's a little weird. Yeah, um, I mean, most of the time, I mean, I know when our church would do ministry or whatever, I mean, they take us to go do stuff around the, you know, the cities and things that were unique to that area, you know? Yeah. If you were, like... And that's kind of what I was expecting. Like, I had been on mission trips before, and, like, we'd have free days and do stuff around the city and, like, see stuff and be new people, but that did not happen there well and then um i'm trying to think of other examples like oh we did a um father heart of god like teaching and i thought it was kind of weird um and like to specifically like get to the father heart of god and understand what god's like heart is for like i know it's like for us but it was like an entire week which was kind of weird in my opinion and like this random guy who's like a big guy like six over six foot and like big dude came to like teach about it but then at the end of the week like the people would start bragging about something during the father heart of god week like you'd have a cry fest and it's just like this most cathartic thing and they were like hyping it up love bombing it kind of thing and you're like okay like i know crying is a good thing but like why would this, like, be a communal cry thing? Like, you know, um, it was weird. And so, like, here's this guy that's, like, talking to each one of us. Like, we're in silent prayer and, like, just being there in this room. And here's this guy that's, like, standing in front of us. And is like, I'm, like, he's, he goes, this is God giving you a hug. And you're like, okay, well, I don't know you. Like, I don't find giving hugs, but here's this man, like, giving me a hug, saying, this is God healing your heart, and he sees you, and he loves you, and I'm like, I don't need you to tell me that, and especially, like, other people in the group had experienced, like, other things in their past, like, um, being sexually assaulted and stuff like that, so, like, that can be extremely triggering for people. Oh, yeah. I mean, most definitely. And, yeah, and I, I was like, this is weird, and then they liked to make people feel like ashamed of like something about them like they wanted us to be 
give their like darkest like secret or like something that like only your closest friends would know but like we hadn't known these people very long and so like they're like one forcing us to be close and like people are saying like all these things and I'm like I don't know you people I don't want to share lots of things with you like it's only been been a couple of weeks and no and I, I didn't I didn't want to or even if they made me it was some stupid thing um but people they were like really taken aback by it they're like why are we doing this? But then, you know, you look back on it and you're like, oh, it's just a way for forced, forced inclusion. Like, everybody knows everybody and then nobody can say anything bad about each other. Yeah. Well, I mean, and they want you to build intimacy, but if intimacy is built yeah. too soon, then it crumbles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then they also made the whole class agree that we were to stay, like, single throughout the whole, like, course of the school. And if we wanted to start dating, it had to be, like, ratified is not the right word, but checked by, like, other people around us and, like, other leaders to, like, make sure and that we're on the same page that, like, a boy and a girl could be together or, like, date. And then there are other stories of bases and people, like, couples that came together that were engaged but not married yet this didn't happen at my base but I've read stories about it to where their leaders were manipulating each person individually and saying well he doesn't like you because and he told me that he doesn't like you because and like separating them completely oh wow that sounds very manipulative and yeah and even though like we agreed that we wouldn't date each other during that but by the end of it there was multiple people that had been had gotten married or engaged or dating each other by the end of it so yeah there I don't think there was a point like it was always gonna happen and a lot of those people stayed so like if you aren't one of the ones that they want to be on staff they won't bother you about it like I was never really approached about being on staff and I knew I wasn't going to be that's nothing I wanted to do and so um that's something that I wanted to do so um I didn't and they didn't um, pursue me about it okay one last question um what were some I guess uh how has this impacted your your faith um but I got back um I was at a different um, I went to a different church when I got back um, than the church that I grew up in, um, and I went there, and they were really familiar with YWAM, and they had never really heard of anything like that happening um, before, what happened to me, and they were, like, taken aback by it, but now they support a lot of people that go to YWAM, so I, like, don't go there anymore, and I'm leery about it, but it it's impacted my faith in that you, like, hear in doctrine for so long, you're like, you know, this is how you're supposed to hear the voice of God. And you're like, well, you can't tell me how I hear the voice of God. And, like, I know how I have to hear it. So, like, you're giving me all of these steps to say, like, this is how I need to hear the voice of God. Or, like, this is how I need to enter intercessory prayer. And this is how I need to have a vision. And it's taken a long time to, like, not do that and be like, wait, I can totally, like, be in prayer with God and not have to, like, follow all these steps and be like, oh, my God, this is how God talks to me. But, like, no, like. I can sit and be like, oh, yeah, 
in prayer now and be like, oh, yeah, that's kind of how it's supposed to be. And more like natural and not forced. Like they wanted us to like force yeah. to hear the voice of God. And now that I'm at a better church with better people and sound Christian friends, it's like I can put all that away and be like, okay, we're building this back from the ground up again. And even though I grew up in the church and knew things, it's like, oh, yeah, there's a lot that has changed and happened in a short, like, six-week period of time. Like, I don't, I do have quiet time with God, but, like, it's on my own time, I don't, but for a long time, I didn't because it was a forced thing. Like, we were forced to have this, and now it's not. I can just be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go read my Bible and spend time with God and, like, in the Word and, like, read it and actually enjoy it and not be, like, indoctrinated and, like, forced to do things Fair anymore. No, I can, I can see that as a problem. Um, is there anything else you want to sh- tell us before we wrap up? I um, don't think so. Well, thanks Hannah for coming on our show and hopefully you can come on here for another reason, uh, later down the road. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but thanks for being here and, uh, all right, listeners, uh, you can always, uh, tune in next Thursday at 10 a.m. Or you can uh, always follow us on your favorite podcast uh, platform. Or you can buy it, follow us on your favorite social media platform. Or you can come to rachelonrecovery.com. And if you're wanting to come on the show, just contact us on rachelonrecovery.com. There's a uh, information page for that. Um, and I will see you guys next Thursday. Thanks. Thanks.